Welcome back to another episode of Teachers Talk Film. This is episode number six. Um, I'm Mitchell Main. I'm here with my great friend, co-host Pete Ray. Pete, say what's up to the people. How's it going, man? What's up? What's up? I've got great news. We've got our we've got our first podcast review. Our first, our first review on Apple Podcasts, and I'd like to start the podcast by reading it. Are you prepared? Please do. Please do. Yeah, go for it. First thing to mention, it's a five-star review. They, they love us. They love us. Uh, the title of this review says, What the World Needs Right Now. Ooh, tell wow. them. High praise. Here, here it goes. These guys are great. Smart, funny, and probably good looking. They can just tell from our voices, I'm sure. <laughs> it says, Great Movie Insight. And then it says, I'm definitely not one of them. And then the name of this reviewer was, was not Pete Ray. So... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we've got high praise from at least one person out there. I'd like to say thank you for this person to take their time writing a review. We appreciate it. It'd be great if uh, like maybe more people, um, you know, gave us five stars, gave us a review, sent us an email, followed us on Twitter. We're, we're poor. We're teachers. We need, we need all the love we can get. We're in a very, um, how do you call it? Like thankless job. You get like yep. a good solid thanks maybe four times a year. And I'm and okay with that. But. It's always in like May too. Like, hey, I'm, I might never see you again. So I should maybe say like, yeah, I, I kind of liked you. Yeah. Yeah. Or that or when, and I'm partly joking, partly not. Um, when the world shuts down and you go in a pandemic and you learn to teach from the comfort of your home office and then people love you because you're babysitting their kids for five hours a day. Um, but I digress. I digress. I'm not getting into that. Hey, if that's all it takes for us to go we'll praise, I'm ready for another one. I'm ready for another pandemic. <laughs> Hit me hard. We, hey, we got through the first one. Um, well, yeah, give me the second one because I need, I need to be showered with thank yous um and and yes praise or or what else what what else do we do this job for us teachers but um the the ability to gain celebrity to gain fame to gain notoriety that that's what it's all about that's all that's the only reason we do it um yeah our celebrity is what we care about most not uh serving others as a character in our film today might be about um we're not about that we're about serving ourselves um and gaining that celebrity baby because we know that teachers are celebrities and i think i think that's why we started the podcast uh just you know a little more celebrity who's more famous than a two white podcasters we're we're gonna get there we're gonna make it <laughs> Clearly, clearly, we're uh, very uh, high and mighty on ourselves this Wednesday, Wednesday night. Um, what, six o'clock? Yeah. Um, things are going well, though, over here. Um, we have a really different movie today. Um, while you were talking, I lit a candle in the back because I feel like this is a movie that we need to just sit with for a bit um, and talk about it and just kind of let the scent of the film fill the room. Um, that's my analogy for today's episode. I talked about the monster or the energy drink of a film last week. Um, that's what I'm sticking with this week. Um, speaking of this week, give us a quick week update, Mr. Ray X-Ray. Uh, how are things going for you? What's new? 
Think you're good? Track life continues. Track life. Track life. Um, yeah, track life continues. I somehow know everything and nothing at the same time. Um, teacher life continues, you know, just keep hauling on. Uh, things are good. I, I feel like in this episode today, I'm going to talk a lot about teaching. I guess yes. that's that's something that's going to be talked about a lot. So in a serious I, way, we were joking at first, but I think we'll get a little bit more serious. I think, you know, I definitely like to joke around and be funny big time. I was thinking, I don't know how or if or how much I'm going to be able to do that during this movie. And I think that that's good. Like uh, that's the type of movie that this is. But no, this this week, things are going good. Yeah, things things are great. You? Doing well. I um, I feel rejuvenated this week. Um, last week I was tired. Um, Blade gave me that 45 minute energy boost that I needed to get through that episode. Um, a lot going on last week. This week, um, I don't know if you guys are doing it, but we have standardized testing this week. Um, so I proctored the SAT today, which isn't fun, but it uh, lends itself to a bit of a lighter week with class and things like that so getting things done um just ran what went for a run i should say um trying to take care of things and do it with a smile on my face so no complaints on this end yeah i think we should probably talk about standardized testing because what what's a more interesting topic than standardized testing like i just hear standardized testing and i'm like oh my goodness i want to jump for joy (laughs) but yes i i did do that today and yeah, I mean, you sit in a room for four hours and you don't say a word, and that's about it. That's that's about it. So yeah, we you guys do like the it's we like do the PSAT, the practice SAT. Yeah. We're not big time yet. Yeah, so I was yeah I was with the juniors today, and I feel bad watching them, but at the same time, I'm like, at least you guys are doing something like I'm not even allowed to read a book do some planning grade some essays that I need to grade I'm not allowed to do anything but walk around and stare at a wall and I think I would pay more attention if I was doing those things if I if I was able to like yeah read a book I would I would be checking in more because when you it's just like I'm gonna walk around and stare at a white wall for four hours oh man that i don't know if it's humanly possible it's not and i think uh, my body was telling me that today when i caught myself caught myself almost falling asleep i did not fall asleep (laughs) um but i i was close Uh, i was close (laughs) and the way that you're i don't know my mind wanders man my mind wanders when you have nothing to do for that long just some of the things that get thought about what how how do human brains do that the the multitude of different things and I I don't know I have no examples but it's just weird it is very weird um perhaps standardized tests um or rather proctoring them is something that makes me feel dull inside dead Um, yeah, dead. And so to contrast that, I have a question for you, X-Ray. 
Um, and it's going to hopefully tie into our episode today and hopefully our, our viewers, TTF Nation, can make some connections here. Um, X-Ray, we're going to get a little serious on this episode. Um, and you can take this answer or this question, rather, however you want. Um, you could take it light. You could take it seriously. But my question to you is what makes you feel alive? That is deep. That's deep, 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 deep. And I mean, I saw this question before we started and thank goodness, because I think if you would have spurned this on me right away, <laughs> I would have existential crisis immediately. <laughs> uh, but I think after thinking about it, I think the one of the bigger things is my job. Mm-hmm. Like, tell just, them, tell them. <laughs> just going, going to work. And I, I mean, I have 180 teenagers relying on me to get them to think in different ways, even if they don't want to, to get them to work when they don't want to, to get them to laugh when they don't want to, uh, to get them to feel accepted when they don't. There, if you do not feel alive as a teacher, there you're a dead person. You are a dead person because there is so much that you have to do as a teacher. And uh, that, that definitely makes me feel very, very alive. And I think what we'll get into today is like purpose. Mm. I have, a, I have a purpose every single day and I, I never feel like I don't have a purpose. Like I have no reason for what I'm doing. I always do. I have 180 reasons plus why I do it. So I, I ain't taking that question lightly, my friend. I take it very seriously. Um, yeah. Somebody give this man a raise already. Come on. <laughs> this this man here, not only does he have just a grizzly of a beard, he's got he's got some heart and charisma and he needs a raise. We know teachers don't get paid enough money. Give give X-ray a raise. A raise. You just you just wait. You mentioned heart. Um, we're getting there. We're getting there. You wait till <laughs> this review starts. You wait till this review starts we're bringing the heart today yes I love and uh i mean we gotta ask you the same question what what makes you feel alive what gets the blood pumping you know to kind of um piggyback off of you a little bit um i will say my job as well um on top of all the beautiful things you said just understanding that when you're leading that classroom and you have 30 walks of life in that room and some kids are coming from a place where they had a warm breakfast and family hugs and everything before they said goodbye and then you have kids who are um, you know struggling to get their younger siblings to school on time and get themselves to school Um, just knowing that you're able to be a positive influence in all kids days regardless of what goes on in their home life. Um, that makes me feel alive. And just um, that purpose. I love content and teaching content, but I think um, just being around the kids and being a positive influence is what I love most and makes me feel alive there. Um, I've always known I wanted to be a teacher ever since I was in literally third grade. Um, I didn't know it was English until I was in 10th grade when I had an English teacher that I loved. Um, Shout out, shout Mr. Him. Miley. Yeah, I was going to say shout him out. Shout yeah. him out again. 
shout out Mr. Miley. Uh, he's not listening, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but the first day of school, we came in, and this was when Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus was just popping. And he was just dancing like a fool. Like, no, he had no care what people thought of him. And honestly, I was like, this guy is so lame. And then he just grew on me and I love him. Um, still talk to him a little bit to this day. I think he works for Nike now. Um, shout out, Mr. Miley. You're not listening. But anyways, um, along with that, just feeling along with teaching, like you get a feel alive in that regard, but also just being uncomfortable in the profession makes me feel alive too. like butterflies on the first day of school when you realize that you're going to have 160 plus kids looking at you, judging you in the first five seconds they see you. Um, that makes me feel not only uncomfortable, um, but alive. And I like that feeling of being uncomfortable because, you know, I'm an introvert. And when I get home, I'm in my little shell and I like it there. Um, but when I go to school, I like it. It's like, I'm, I'm like not reborn, but it's a transformation. Um, and things that just bring love to your heart, I think make me feel alive, like movies, um, good yeah, literature, man. uh, good company. It's cheesy, but I love this podcast, man. I mean, doing this is awesome. It makes me feel alive. Um, things like that. So I could go on for hours about this topic one, because, it's relevant. And two, because uh, I came up with it and I've been thinking about it for three days now. So, yeah. No, I agree. I, I, there's definitely, yeah, I could go on for a while too, because yeah, it is deep. And I, I think I want to, I'm, I might even have to ask my students this question. Uh, Great icebreaker question. Well, and I think one of the things that I already know will man really hit the heart make me a little sad is uh, i think there's a lot of kids who don't have an answer to that question mm-hmm. like they're they're going through life and i think we'll definitely talk about this in the review so i won't talk too much about it going through life just going through the motions and nothing's nothing's sparking at them nothing's piquing their interest uh they're just doing their thing uh and yeah that that stinks um, I like what you said about butterflies in the stomach because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very rare, but every once in a while you, you're like headed in a class about to teach a lesson, get those butterflies in your stomach. Not sure how this is going to go, but it could be stinking awesome. That'll make you feel alive. And I, I swear every time I've had that butterfly in the stomach feeling before I go do something, it's always great. It's always great. So that word you said, uncomfortable, we got to put ourselves in those uncomfortable positions because yeah, if not, you're, you're not alive. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. And our, um, our protagonist says something to the likes of exactly that here in a second. I had one more question for you. Um, and it's going to tie in with the film as well. And part of me just wants to move on because I feel like the, just the train of conversation is naturally going to the film. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. Um, and this does connect to the film too, I should say, but uh, favorite childhood toys growing up, what were they for you? Um, can you recall any memories with them? Okay. Two, two big ones. I can think right off the bat and I'm sure I'll start remembering more. The PlayStation two changed my life. <laughs> yes. Does that count as a toy? 
it it better because that's immediately where my mind went to. <laughs> the PlayStation Two changed my life, uh, and it changed my brother's life too. Like that was something that definitely brought us together a ton. New Lego Star Wars came out. My mm. brother and I, like, I don't think we'd be as close as we are today if we did not play Lego Star Wars together when we were kids. Like that, <laughs> that was our life. And I remember probably one of my favorite things. This might have even been PlayStation 1, which I think we had for, I don't know, a little bit. Uh, I used to play. My brother used to just watch me. He didn't even want to play. He was just like, no, nah, I just want to watch you play. Like, how awesome is that? That's so cool. Uh, so that was a big one. The other one. Do you know what crisscross crash is? Crisscross crash? Yes. Uh, no, sir. No, sir. Okay. Picture this. You've got two figure eights. Two figure eights of Hot Wheels tracks. Okay. In the middle is this weird thing. You juice this thing up with some D batteries. And these rubber wheels spin. The thing's loud as loud as it can get these rubber wheels spin and you set the cars in there and it goes around the figure eights all right now you throw two cars in there they're going around the figure eights now you throw in three they're going around the figure eights and it's called crisscross crash because eventually you get six seven cars in there they're crashing in the middle and exploding (laughs) all over the place and i i just remember me my brother my dad just sitting on the living room floor just what we used to do that for forever best toy ever invented i will be looking up if it still exists because i may be making a purchase um maybe we can do a podcast review we can just uh i i want to be great to listen to but we we could film it or something yeah we could we could post it on the twitter at teacher film talk or um on the tiktok at uh teachers talk film we could post yeah we're on videos. we're on tiktok people we are on the tick talk we are hip we are new we are new age we are young (laughs) we got five followers (laughs) (laughs) and they're probably not even real people but hey they're not they're not (laughs) all right uh, that's okay that's okay uh toys for you toys for me okay i got two i got two i have two um the video games are are easy easy uh playstation 2 basically all the playstations um not playstation 3 xbox 360 is the superior console to this day i'll stand by that um skate 2 i'm a legend at skate 2 um people in the skate 2 world know the legend um that is my gamer tag that i will not be sharing on the pod Oh, that's Maybe. that's sad, man. Yeah. I think <laughs> Maybe I think day. it should be shared with the world one day. <laughs> one day. One day. Um, but yeah, I guess that uh, along with the PlayStation Two, dare I say, NBA Street Volume One. Wait a second. Volume One. Volume One, where um, the main song is "They Reminisce Over You," Pete Rock and CL Smooth. I think that's Volume Two, man. Are you sure? Volume two is the best one ever. It's got, okay, volume two, um, or one, whichever one, it has the, I think it's Dr. J on the cover with a big afro. No, that's the, that's stretch, man. That's stretch. Stretch, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. Is that volume two? I believe so, yes. Okay, then yeah, it's that one um, by far. Um, best, NFL maybe the best Blitz. game of all time. 
Yeah, uh, by far. By far the best game. Um, we played Blitz, that football, like football. It's like backyard football kind of, but for adults. <laughs> Not adults, but <laughs> angsty <laughs> – 10 year olds uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. adults and angsty 10 year olds pretty much the same thing exactly um and then what was the other one? Oh, fight night the boxing game and then in that same vein of boxing um you ever hear of the uh they're not rock'em sock'em robots but the big the big uh boxing gloves that are just basically air that you could blow up right yes yes and so me, my brother, and well, all my brothers really, but I remember vividly me and my older brother, I talked about this in the wrestler episode where we would just physically assault each other as kids. And it's very much so part of my um, growing up process in my formative years. Um, But nonetheless, we had those. And I don't know if you ever had them, but you have like the spots where the air comes in as the cushions. Um, No cushion like on the inside of your wrist. And so my older brother obviously knew that. And so whenever we would fight, he would uh, lead with the part that had no cushion whatsoever. Um, Yeah. So it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the toy, I guess you could say. Um, But those memories, despite the bruises, despite the, uh, the, the losses in the ring, um, great fond memories, fond memories. Um, I have to also mention one more thing. Go for it. Maybe the greatest invention of all time. It's right up there with the wheel and air conditioning. And that would be the ever-glorious trampoline. Oh, come on. Come on. The the amount of time that I spent on a trampoline, it, it rivals the amount of time that uh, I've been an adult. Like, <laughs> the trampoline... Okay, I'm buying two things. I'm buying a trampoline. I'm putting it in my backyard. Is that weird? A 26-year-old man with a trampoline in his backyard? It's only weird if you make it weird. I think if you just live it, it's not weird. All right, well, that's the plan. Crisscross crash and a trampoline because I may break both ankles and a knee and my back might hurt, but the trampoline is unbeatable, unstoppable. Let me ask you a question. Would that purchase make you feel alive? Oh, my goodness. What a callback. What a circle around. You're a professional podcaster. My goodness. Yes, it would. It would make me feel alive. It would. Beautiful. Beautiful. The reason I ask is because we're watching or we're watching. We watched a beautiful film this week. We watched Akiru, directed by Akira Kurosawa. Uh, Synopsis, a bureaucrat tries to find meaning in his life after he discovers he has terminal cancer. This was uh, produced in 1952, Japanese film, black and white, um, the Kurosawa-esque film that we are maybe not accustomed to with Kurosawa, with um, samurai flicks. Um, I'm going to just ask you the question, how do you want to start this conversation off? Because I have a few ways I could take it, but let me hear what you got. I think... I think you should take it. You should just, this is your movie. You should start it. I will, I will follow your lead. Um, I will follow your lead. Okay. Machine, take it away. (laughs) All right. We'll start on a, um, just a 
how do we say it? a not a superficial but a shallower note um and maybe it's not even that shallow because right at the beginning right after the opening credits um we see the shot of kanji's terminal stomach cancer right in the beginning and right away it's sort of breaking the fourth wall because we see the narrator not see we hear the narrator um basically say um this is cancer in our protagonist like right away they're they're talking directly to you um there's no like really slow build up uh to finding out about kanji's condition um we're pulled in right away through this narration um we're quickly then brought into his world as a a uh, section chief for the city council um and there are so many just quotable lines in this movie um dare i say some are even tattoo worthy um things that you might want to just remember as you continue to progress there are so many things i want to talk about with that um but we see our narrator pull us in right away with the cancer sign um and then right away we're already getting characterization through our narrator of the protagonist um one line that sticks out to me there's the shot of kanji just behind his desk with just the stack of papers that he's working on and our narrator says he's never actually lived he's just killing time yes what what an opening i mean that that sets us up very 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 well and i one thing i always talk to students about when like when you're writing anything your first sentence is the most important maybe mm-hmm. the most important part of the whole thing because if your first sentence thinks i don't want to read the rest of it yep and the fact that this starts one thing that even before we get the shot of the stomach is well and maybe this maybe this is a weird subtitle thing but the the movie title shows up Mm-hmm. and in the subtitles it says uh to live and that like that right there set the tone that this means to live and i don't know is ikiru the is that just the japanese word for to live i'm 95% sure um i didn't google it but i think um i've conversed about this movie with a student of mine who's really into kurosawa and he says it is so i'm i'm taking his word Yeah so just I'm I and I guess yeah just what a great title and the fact that yeah it popped up in the subtitles right there yeah hit me and like you said I really liked the narrator just laying it on the line here's what's going on this is the stomach of our protagonist he's he's got cancer uh and then yeah leading into leading into what we see yeah that stack of papers i like all the papers behind him too mm-hmm. it, it just makes him look so small and boxed in and he's bent over he's bent over so much in this movie like just bent over he looks just small uh and yeah like he's not he's not living life like you said yeah and along with that um i don't know if you noticed this but just when we're in the first like real real half maybe 3/4 of the film it's very uh like whenever we see kanji at his work it's it's like smoldering like it's like there's always a fan going like you can tell it's just like 
stricken with heat, um, very dry, um, dare I say, like a miserable existence, it looks like. Um, and obviously that's going to be reflective of Kanji's character and just where he's at in life. Um, and despite all of this, despite the gigantic stack of papers, the uh, monotony of his job, he is there for like 30 years. Um, there's another quotable line right at the beginning too from our narrator, I believe. Um, he says, referring to Kanji, he does nothing. The best way to protect your position in this world is to do nothing at all. Um, this guy is just going with the flow. Um, he's so like, this sounds weird, but he's an adorable looking guy. I don't know, like just the way I look at him, like he's this old sullen man. Um, he's always hunched over, but he's got the big, big eyes, which I want to talk about later. Um, yeah, you're pointing at me. What What are you going to say? Well, because as as you've seen before, and I've never talked about this on the podcast, but I have my I have multiple lists of movies going all at once. I'm, I'm a big list maker. So I've got my spreadsheet, which ranks all my movies. But then I have the other list on my phone, which is just every movie that I watch every year. And then I rank them by how much I like them. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I, I just put the title of a movie and then an emoji that like goes with the movie. And for this one, I put the eye emoji, those big eyes, because that's such a huge part of the movie is, yeah, his eyes. And uh, Kurosawa makes them look like bigger than they are and there's scenes where he's crying and it's just like his his eyes man his eyes and those shots uh and it's in so many different contexts it's when he's uh happy it's when he's doing nothing it's when he's crying it's it's when he's like just looking up at people there there's so many different yeah different spots where it's all about his eyes i think just and it's extremely important for us to note that as well because we're a couple of white dudes from Colorado who know absolutely no Mandarin Japanese any foreign language to that degree um, and so obviously when they were reading the subtitles um, whether we like it or not there's a disconnect between us and the film and we can still appreciate it but I think just the fact um, and just the body language, I should say, of Kanji's character speaks so much. I think more than any words could say, especially in a lot of those pivotal scenes where he is crying, um, where he's swinging on the swing set at the end. Oh, arguably probably one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, this, yeah, acting is amazing. I think we talked about uh, Mickey Rourke being um, born for the role of Randy the Ram. I feel like this might be kind of the same vein for this actor who I did not look up his name before and now I am uh, regretting it. That's what I was about to do because and the other part of that is that I've seen him in a bunch of other Akira Kurosawa's movies. Uh, his name is Takashi Shimura. He's in Seven Samurai, right? He's in Seven Samurai. He's in, I believe he's in, like I've seen, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Rashomon. He's in that. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to say he was in another one, but I don't think he is. But he plays 
he plays a different character in all those. And you know, like, he's a, he's an awesome actor. Like we should definitely know his name because anytime he's in any movie that I've seen, and maybe it's only three, but I guess that's, that's enough, man. He's awesome. He plays his roles perfectly in seven samurai. He's like the head kind of of the samurai he's the old kind of soul. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he does a great job and yeah, he kills it in this too. Yeah, let's talk about one of those scenes where he uh <clears throat> I really start to see him begin to shine and Kurosawa as a filmmaker begin to shine. Um we'll preface a little bit there's the moment in the beginning of the film then where the the women from the city come in and they propose that there be um something done with this land and to like potentially build a park or something. They're him hot around the whole department um, or various departments, I should say. And they're basically just never given a clear answer as to how to go about making this park happen. Um, we very much see like, I guess, selfishness with all of the workers at the city um, because they're all just kind of like whatever this lady's plan is not fitting my agenda whatsoever. So I'm just going to kind of brush it to the side. Um, Nonetheless, that's a minor detail at the beginning, but obviously it becomes um, paramount towards the end of the film. Um, We get the scene that I was initially referring to then where Kanji goes to um, the hospital and he's basically sitting there talking with the other patient. um, talking about like their potential diagnosis diagnoses um and the other guy's like well if it's stomach cancer you're you're basically toast you have six months to live and this guy's just rambling on and on and on and kanji's on the left side of the screen and he like he slowly hunches forward like he does and then the camera begins to focus in on him while the other guy is still talking in the background but you can very much only hear the guy talking because you're just so fixated on the emotion that Kanji's giving um, with his eyes. And he's looking down and he just he's just in total fear and shock and disbelief as what's going on. Um, that's when I first really saw like, OK, like this is definitely a Kurosawa film, um, but it's going to be a little bit more heavy, you could say. And I thought another great thing about that scene is. I realized, and I think it was supposed to be clear that everything that this guy was saying, like, they're going to tell you, you have an ulcer. They're Mm going to tell you that they can't operate on it. They're going to tell you to eat what feels good. And, but they're not going to tell you the truth. Like, as he was saying that, I was like, Oh, we're going to hear this again. And it's going to be what he hears. And yeah, we're going to know that he knows he has cancer, but the doctors won't tell them, won't tell him, which is, which is what happens. Yeah. And as that was going on, I was so mad at the doctors for saying that. Um, and then I got a little introspective and thought about, okay, just like culturally today, I think we still do the same thing. Like we value comfort over truth. Um, and there's a line in the film and I wrote it down somewhere and I, I can't find it in my notes, but it, it says like something. I think, Go for I, it. I'm, I might have it because it mentions the truth. Um, it's a it's a little bit twisted from what we're talking about, but 
and I can't even remember who says it. I didn't do a good job of writing it down. It just says there's something noble about suffering. Like there's something noble about going through suffering things, which I think is a thought on its own we should talk about. And then right after that, uh, it says, somebody says, misfortune teaches us the truth. That's the one I was thinking of. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. But so often we try to sugarcoat things for um, for the sake of making things appear pleasant on the surface. Um, and I'm guilty of it, too. Like you talk with people and like you try to share comforting words. But I don't know, like I think Kanji knew what was going on and he just was having trouble coming to terms with it but he's just being lied to, um, which is almost kind of similar to the way his relationship is with his son. Um, like they are father and son, but it's very much so like a, just like a going through the motions. I'm going to just wait till you pass on kind of thing. And then I'm going to take your inheritance, man. I did not like the son's, uh, wife, Kanji's daughter-in-law. Nope, nope, nope. Talk about it. Talk about it. Well, I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on her because <laughs> I, I mean, it's pretty clear that she is. We're not supposed to like her. She I don't feel like she doesn't do anything positive. Maybe the whole movie and she's not in it a ton, but yeah, she yeah, not a fan of her. Definitely. And yet, I don't know. It's just that. Yeah, that line is definitely sticking with me right now. Misfortune teaches us the truth. Like you almost can't, you can't truly know what you think of your life, what other people think about you until, and I don't know if you think that's true or if I, even I think that that's true, that you can't know the truth unless something this terrible happens to you where you know you're going to die. Like that just changes your perspective so much and changes the people's perspective around you as well. No, I agree. And not to get too sentimental or morbid, but I think, you know, my father passed away when I was two years old. Yeah. And so like, I've always grown up knowing the inevitability behind it. And so with that though, like you do try to push things aside and look at it at surface value. You do have to kind of remind yourself that a lot of things that are placed in the world are meant for like to provide comfort to you and which can maybe sugarcoat things, which is good to a degree. Like obviously you want to feel happy and alive and things like that, but not lose sight of reality. Because if you do lose sight of that reality, I think you turn into the kanji character where you look back at your life 30 years later and you think to yourself, what am I doing? And then, you have to turn it around towards the last five months of your life like he does. I think understanding just the fragility of life and the vulnerability that we all possess is something that needs to be spoken about more. And I think people would live differently if they were to think that way. And I think it comes back to that first idea that we I said, like, there's something noble about suffering. Mm. I think we maybe don't focus on that suffering a lot. Like we do go through the motions and maybe bad things do happen to us. And we just like try and get over them as quickly as possible. I think that idea that there's, there's something noble, there's something good about going through 
terrible, horrible things. As much as that's hard to notice in the moment, those things make you a person. They make you uh, emotional. They get, they make you stronger, even though it, I mean, it just, it sucks to go through and everybody goes through those things. And yeah, I almost feel like that idea is it's obviously we should go through those things. We should focus on them. We should know that it's, it's okay to go through those things and, and move on. It's, it's a balance. It makes, it makes the, the positive things that much more fulfilling because if your life is always sunshine and rainbows, one, you're lying to yourself. And two, like you're building up a threshold to where you're not going to learn to appreciate anything at all. Um, Like you learn how to appreciate the little things in life because you have gone through the tumult of death or loss or whatever it may be. You're able to then look at the positives like a new friendship or a new love or new passion, whatever it is. And you're able to take that for what it's worth and experience and enjoy it that much more which makes for just a better life in general yeah and one thing that was said i think it might have been in a again i wish i i think the subtitles mess with me because i was trying to write and watch and read all at the same time right 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 but one thing and i think that this is the conversation that he has with the his young female co-worker when he's Mm -hmm. talking to her for that kind of first time he says something about be greedy for enjoying life like we think of greed as this terrible, terrible, terrible thing. You shouldn't be greedy. You shouldn't want more than you have. No, that's exactly what you should do. You should want more than you have as far as joy, as far as, um, yeah, happiness, not material things, not things like that, but yeah, be greedy for enjoying life, man. What a, what a great idea that we should all do. We should all be trying to go enjoy our lives more. Yeah, it seems like when you say that, this just came into my head too. It's, and hopefully I'll be able to connect it, but it's almost like Kanji's learning that as he's having that conversation with the lady or the young girl. And that conversation is very much so talking about his son too. I feel like his son might be a reflection of Kanji's past, um, focusing on the things that are needed to quote unquote, get by with the status quo of life. Like there's a line in the story where um, Kanji says like, I've worked for 30 years and all I've felt is busy. And so like, yeah, he's had a steady paycheck and things like that, but has he experienced anything? Not really all then on the flip side, all of Kanji's son cares about, it seems and maybe this is his wife pushing him, but the inheritance that they're going to get. They're just so fixated on that material gain and the possession rather than just the presence of life in that moment. And yeah, I think um, there's a line too, where Kanji's talking to the girl and he says like, son, I have no son. I think he's like, looking at his past self too and he's like trying to move on and he's obviously stating like there's a reflection of him in his son and he's trying to get past that I don't know does that make sense do you get what I'm saying yeah no I do for sure that like father-son dynamic is 
is huge. I mean, he says that the only reason he worked was for his son. Right. Like that, that's why he's been doing all these things. We get those flashbacks of those like memorable times that he's had with his son. I wrote those down. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like Kanji's wife dying. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a big one. It's like them on their way, I think like to her funeral or to bury her. Uh, There's another one where the son is playing baseball and he's like, he, he gets a hit, he does something awesome. And then it was interesting. Kanji, the dad is about to like say next to him, like, Hey, that's my son. I'm really proud of him. And then we cut to another scene and he like gets thrown out. And um, it, it like, there was just, it just kind of stopped right there. Like there wasn't much after that. Uh, and then we get that surgery that the son had. I love um, that shot. Love that whole scene in the elevator. Right. Yeah. 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 And it seems like it's just those two together, isn't it? Yeah, it's them. Um, There's, yeah, there's the moment where they're in the elevator and like they're going up and then the camera's just following along the elevator and um, the son, I don't, can't even remember his name. He's like fearing for his life and he wants Kanji to go in there with him and he's, Kanji basically says they're going to take care of you on their own kind of thing. Um, I think he goes to war yeah after that like obviously and time you, progresses and i think the main thing there was he gets off the train for a second like you can tell he really doesn't want to leave his dad that's a that's a huge thing for him and then i think that's our last one and then we're back into the present mm-hmm. which is incredibly disheartening too because it did seem like they had an authentic relationship to a degree like you mentioned the baseball scene where Kanji's proud of him and then he gets in the pickle and then he kind of stops praising him yeah Um, but yeah like it seems like between like those adolescent years for his son like something happened to where maybe he lost the true sense of value and family and his father Um, because even at the end like when they're all at his like ceremonial wake or funeral, whatever you want to call it, the son's just sobbing and he, he does, I can't remember what he says, but he just regrets not knowing. He says, I wish I would have known. Um, and so he's coming to realize like the value that he could have had with his father and the value that his father did have on his life, but it's too late at that point. Yeah. And Yeah. Yeah, that whole father-son thing is because like I think you're as you grow up, your your relationship with your parents changes a ton mm-hmm. from when like we saw in the flashbacks, you're in elementary school and you think your parents are superheroes. And then in middle school or high school, you I don't know. I was always pretty cool with my parents then, but a lot of kids aren't like they start rebelling against them. Then yeah, as you turn into adult, I I think things get like weird. You're you're trying to be an adult and realizing your parents are also adults and like, it's just different. And that, I think this movie showed it well, especially in the present scenes where, yeah, we see that relationship that they had and then man in the present, they, they talk to each other without talking to each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. It seems like they're just without even communicating with each other. They're just constantly just, not battling each other, but just going back and forth with their moralistic ideas and views on life. 
they live in the same house, but they very much so feel so separated. Like there's the shots where Kanji comes home and um, his son, his son's name's Mitsu, I think. No idea, but sure, that sounds good to me. <laughs> I think it's M-I-T-S-U-O. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, he and his wife are there and like Kanji just goes into his room and you just see this poor, just old, hunched over man just walk into a shadow of darkness and you can just see like just the outlines of his hat and just it's face down and like you see then the sun like very much so like posture wise standing up straight and talking with his wife about like the ideas of gaining possessions from him and kanji hears all of it yeah and um, i thought it was it was interesting when we do like or when we see kanji or when they see kanji because he's in total darkness and you're right he's hunched over and that was i think one of the first times that i noticed his eyes because we mm -hmm. get that shot looking down at him and he's just looking up and he looks so sad and dejected and small again and yeah his son's like standing up with his daughter-in-law they're they're the ones in power in this scene right and that's actually a good segue into then what i wanted to address we see like this is kanji at one of his lowest points um he goes to i don't know if you call it a bar um but he just goes to that place and he just starts drinking the sake like there's no tomorrow because that's how he is viewing life there is no tomorrow um there's a line where it's like um he can't kill himself no matter how hard he tries or something like that. Well, um, and uh, part of that was he was drinking the sake because like the guy says drinking sake with stomach cancer, that, that will kill you. Like that's suicide. And he's like, I know mm -hmm. like that that's, he leads on that. That's what he's trying to do. But yeah, there's something holding him back that he can't. I think in any other movie I would have, not liked that character that he encounters i think he's a writer i think it's i don't even know what his occupation is um I don't he think is he says he's he's like he's kind of deje dejected too he's like yeah I, I write second rate fiction that nobody reads yeah yeah and i think that's a cool addition i don't think it's imperative for the story um but he like if i'm watching that and it's a different character as Kanji. Like, Kanji is a different character. I might not like that writer as much because he did come off as kind of, like, boisterous and annoying. Um, but it's what Kanji needed at that point in his life. We get the scenes then where he um, he, pays, he takes him to, like, the gambling casino place and then the nightclub or whatever. I think the only funny part in the movie is when Kanji's had a few too many and there's the girls dancing and he's like walking around trying to grab them and <laughs> just this old little guy trying to dance with the girls. Well, and it's funny because he's trying to get his hat back. Like he, the, the hat is definitely a, a very much like symbolic thing throughout this movie too. Oh, yes. And yeah, the fact that he loses the old hat and gets a new one right around the time where he's he hasn't yet figured out that his life is changing or needs to change but the hat is a big part of it and I'm also realizing you said that you liked that character and I did too and part of it is 
those lines that I talked about, I'm pretty sure he said those lines, not the, not the young girl. I think it was the guy that took him out on the town. He was yeah, saying that right, stuff. Right. And I love any character that is like the drunk kind of disheveled guy, but is like holds this um, insane amount of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Like I, that, I, I love any character like that. And he was, he was that guy. So yeah, I really liked him. And I guess one scene I want to talk about is it's right after he's chasing those girls around for his hat. He sits down and the piano guy asks him, like, is there any songs you want to hear? And like this, this moment gets called back to at the end, but he sings, he sings the song. I don't remember the name of it. I, and I don't, I don't remember the words. I just remember how it made me feel man what a song and what a what a place to introduce it when we've just heard like man he was playing that piano it was awesome things were happy and then he sings this song just sitting in a chair like drunk stomach cancer things aren't great and yeah hits us with this kurosawa you you dirty dirty dog (laughs) you're you're in luck my friend because i pulled this up prior to recording because oh how can you not um this is when you mentioned the hat he gets his hat taken um he gets he buys a new hat that he wears throughout the rest of the film i very much so feel like when he buys the new hat it's like a it's like a new form of acceptance or like transformation in his character needless to say though it doesn't come without some downfalls and the moment you're addressing right now is one of those more sobering moments. Um, it's actually called, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, um, Gondola no Yuta, Uta, um, which in English, I guess, is life is brief. And yes. I'm just going to read the first stanza um, because I wanted to read this first stanza. There's many more, obviously, but Life is brief, fall in love, maidens, before the crimson bloom fades from your lips, before the tides of passion cool within you, for there is no such thing as tomorrow after all. And he's just singing this and just, because the song is just the piano. And it's like immediately when the piano starts playing, the the mood shifts in the whole place. and then we see the pan over to Kanji and we realize then he's singing it and the screen, the shot is just directly on his face. I love all the close-up shots in this film. This might be my favorite. He's just, he's just sobbing again, those big, big eyes, just, just wet sobbing, uh, singing this song, um, and then, yeah, obviously, I just read some of the lyrics, like, like basically fall in love before the crimson bloom fades from your lips, like before vitality runs away from your life, make it worth meaning. Um, and he's realizing that he hasn't done that. And so it's just letting all of this out. I made a comment. Um, like, obviously, this is happening the more and more he's drinking and, you know, having the effects that come with that. But it's like, the more drunk he gets, the more sobering and harrowing this moment, this story becomes. So it's kind of ironic or like paradoxical in that sense, because it, 
it really, really hits you in probably the moment where you would least expect it, I would say. Yeah, the, the contrast is the biggest thing for me to go from happy to, oh my gosh, we're so up close to this guy's face and there are tears streaming down it. And it seems like everybody in the place just understands what's going on. Like that quickly, we went from everything's great to there's something going on with this guy. And yeah, we as the audience, it's, it's tough. It's, it's good. It's a good tough to sit through and, and watch it happen. Especially like you said, the shot itself undoubtedly adds to that. Just bang right up in there. Yeah. Uh, shortly after uh, this scene, we do get more like introduction to the young girl. If I have one critique in this film, I think it's like the way that they bring her in. It seems very abrupt. Um, but she, at this point in the story, Kanji's been gone from work. Everybody has no idea why, because he hadn't missed a day for 30 years. Um, and so he randomly encounters this girl from the job. Um, you talk about contrast. She says that she's thinking of quitting after a year and a half because just nothing's happening. And Kanji had that feeling for 30 years and didn't do anything about it. And so obviously they're just different polarization walk of life is just totally like different from each other's. And then, yeah, this is where we get the line that I mentioned earlier. He says, all I remember is just being busy those 30 years. Um, he begins to like, just spend time with this girl. I thought it was a really cute touch. He buys her the new stockings. Um, at the same time, like his son is seeing them hang out, uh, along with the son's wife. And this is also, I think obviously it's open for interpretation and I want to hear what you think. Like they think obviously like she's using him for whatever maybe it's the inheritance I, I think it's the 500,000 yen or 50,000 yen um but she very much so gets annoyed with kanji quickly how do you interpret their whole relationship what what is your thought on that this would be i mean i have i have two main kind of negatives about the movie we can get into the other one later but this would be my big one is just her her character, I see why she was in there. She was the contrast. She's the young, vibrant one that is like she's got life by the horns and she's gonna quit her job because she doesn't like it and she's gonna do what she wants. Um, but I just didn't like her character. And maybe I'm not supposed to, but I yeah, I did not enjoy her. And it it was definitely hard to see Kenji. I mean, we we i like this guy i like following him around um to watch him it was it was weird just like watching him go after her kind of and then her shooting him down it was just a weird storyline for me but i do think he he had very very like innocent intentions like he was just I agree. He, he sees some life in front of him and he's like man i want to i want to i want to help that life i want to be a part of that because as we know, he is, he's so far removed from that. Yeah, I agree. I never got any of like the kanjis and old creeper vibe. Yeah. I, yeah. I got just this, 
this innocent old man, he's just looking for just an, like an ounce of life. If he can find it, um, which literally leads me to one of my next points. They're having a conversation. It's the, it's one of the lunch shots where it's just focused on them. There's no camera movement. We're very much so just supposed to be in tune with their conversation. He asks her like, what makes you so full of life? Um, mm-hmm. This is actually a different moment. This is, it's still just this, the still camera, but we're still just listening to their conversation. He asks her, what makes you so full of life? And we see that she has a passion for making these like little rabbit toys yeah. um, for kids. They're like, like, yeah, you like wind them up and they like kind of hop around, which TTF nation, if you're listening, you can see the childhood toys connection growing here. Um, but yeah, Kanji realizes like she has like an interest in like servitude to some degree. And he, uh, decides to take that on um i think it's interesting how she she gave everybody two nicknames at the job she gave him the nickname of the mummy before she knew who he actually was and i think kanji responds in a very like heartful way he's like kind of sad at first and then he's like well you're kind of right kind of thing um i'm rambling take it away no, you're good. I think there's so much to talk about in this one scene alone, and I don't even particularly like this storyline, but it's I'm starting to like it more because there's so much going on. The first thing is we see her at the factory, and like when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, she made a huge mistake. This job looks terrible. She's got stuff in her hair. She's talking about, I can't waste any time. But then, yeah, we get that line. I think she, I think she talks about like touching the hearts of kids mm-hmm. every time she makes one. Like, oh my goodness, I'm, I am a fool for thinking that she did the wrong job, and she just schooled me right away, <laughs> right away. Uh, and then the other thing is, we we talked about it earlier, the need to sugarcoat things. He asks her, he says, please don't sugarcoat it for me. Tell me my nickname because it's probably true. Like, tell me why. Tell me why. And that I think that moment for him is huge because he does realize I know he I think he even says, you're right. I I was the mummy. And I think at the end of kind of that storyline, we get one of probably the biggest change of all. He says to her, I wrote it down. He says, there's something I can do. Like she helps him realize there is something I can do with my life. I don't need to waste the time that I have left, which is massive, massive, massive. Yeah. So talk about that then. What is, what is, what can he do? How does this sort of bring us to the finale? What happens? So, yeah, he decides to go back to work um, wearing the new hat, which is a big deal. Uh, he goes back to work and we see the park that we were introduced to in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, re- I love the scene where it's like pouring down rain outside. And he's, he says, I don't care. I'm going out to the site right now. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to make it happen. And then in a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant moment from Akira Kurosawa, we don't get to see it get made. We jump five or six months into the future and he's dead. He's Ow. dead. What are you uh, like? 
I was I mean, so that, mad. I, that was, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was talk about it. I, I'm at a loss for words right now, just <laughs> thinking about it. I was so mad. Um, yeah, the we get our narrator. I think he comes back. Um, it says like the narrator just says five months later he died, and then the rest of the film takes place at his wake um where we see i really thought this was a cool scene too just like japanese funeral culture and like the way they're sitting and everything and sort of like the shrine that was built i thought all of that looked awesome um but i was so mad i was like are we literally not gonna see this come to fruition right now like what is going on and like i i got it for a second i was like okay well like obviously they want us to interpret you know show don't tell philosophy um but they ended up did they ended up going with flashbacks um while the park was being made um and so my anger was short-lived um because we did see though he was dead five months later there is um this the flashbacks and i really think like this is like if we're thinking of this as like a two-part movie his death is like the second part because there's so many new characters being introduced at the end. Um, we see there's almost like this division, even in the way they're sitting, like on one side, we have the mayor who is just obviously out for personal gain. Um, bad dude, not a fan. Bad, bad dude. There's like, basically um, he, he gives the opening speech at the park and like everybody says it sounded like a political campaign. Um, So again, just out for himself, like we talked about with all the other employees at the beginning. But then on the other side, there is one gentleman who's outnumbered um, defending Kanji. He says, this is another thing that I wrote down as a quotable. Um, Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, he says, if you can't understand his, his being Kanji, his dedication, this is a dark world. Wow. There's, there's a lot of those lines. And can I just say, this review hasn't even started (laughs) right now. Right now, we're, we're getting into it. Um, So many lines. The I believe his name is Saito. I wrote his name down because I I mean I love this guy. Uh He's he's all the way on the end in the corner, and he just provides so much reason for all of us. Um, That line alone, yeah. If you don't, okay, it's time to talk teaching. There there are so many people who do not understand why we do what we do, and that does make me feel like it's a dark world. yeah, if you don't understand that I am at the school every day, pumped up in a good mood because I care about my job and I care about the kids in it and I want them to be good people and I want their minds to grow and I'm not trying to get them to think a certain way or do a certain thing. I just want them to be their own person. Then you don't get it. OK, that's that's my life. That's what's going on it's not a dark world. Like I, I need people to, I would like for people to understand that more, even, even my own students, probably I'm not good at communicating that as much. Mr. Ray's students, you guys are listening. Um, you get it now, maybe 
Um, I'm echoing your sentiment. Uh, Yeah, we're in a, like I said earlier, um, when I was joking around, but now I'm not. It is a job, profession, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, that is very, um, like, it's a thankless, it's a thankless existence. Um, But we were given thanks and gratitude in different ways. Um, With, I have a lot of seniors, and whenever I see the seniors come in with their grad announcements and I just look at them and like I pair them. I put every grad announcement that I get behind my desk on the wall. And I just, I like, I kid you not, like after school, most days I just sit there and I just look at everything. And it's like, you get the validation that you need as to why you do what you do. Um, That speaks volumes in itself along with that it's just that guy i can't remember his name tell me his name again saito saito okay yeah i'm glad you wrote that down he says um to pair with everything we just said he says his work kept him alive to see that look in his eye just understanding like if you're on the outside looking in and like when you see someone doing something that genuinely brings them not only them, but others around them to a better place. Like, how can you not feel alive and appreciative in that moment? And we're not asking for thanks. We, we do what we do regardless, but it's just, it's very much so just like a, a job where you give and you give and you're happy with it and you don't expect anything in return. I think Kanji didn't respect or expect anything in return as well. Um, he just wanted to, again, sort of leave his mark before he had to say goodbye. And I think, yeah, it, like we're talking about us because it's just it's our experience. It's what we dealt with. This does not just apply to teaching like this applies to any any job that anybody does where like maybe people don't understand why you do the things you do um, or they I mean, I've, I feel like a lot of people don't feel maybe appreciated as much as they should. Mm. And I think that's kind of what Saito's getting at is like, yeah, hey, we we should be respecting him. Um another man, there's some quotes in here, man. I I think Saito might say this one too. I'm not sure. Um this is maybe diverging a little bit, but he says, holy cow, I can't afford to hate people. Yes. Yeah, I don't have that kind of time. I think that was Kanji who said that. I wrote that down too. I think that was, was a it? flashback moment. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember when it was. I just wrote down the quote because I was like, um, yeah, that that one sticks out. That one sticks out a ton because I don't think any of us have the kind of time to do that. And we probably waste waste a decent amount of time doing that. Yeah, I wrote that one down. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I wish I remember could remember the context exactly. I'm pretty sure it's Kanji who says that. I could be wrong. Regardless, though, the sentiment is the same. Like, the world is a dark place. We know this. Um, but are we going to add to that? Is that going to serve any purpose? We don't have the time nor the luxury to do that. Um, to be that light is 
um, to live a life fulfilled. And that's what Kanji realizes. Yeah. I'm, powerful, powerful line there. Yeah. Another line I wrote down again, diverging, but I think we're just kind of talking about some quotes. This isn't a flashback. Uh, the guys who are trying to get the park not to be built, they're trying to build the red light district. Mm-hmm. And they're like these kind of gangster guys. Uh, he looks at Kanji and he says, do you value your life? And Kanji doesn't say a word. He just looks at him. He like kind of smiles. I feel like we get another maybe shot of his eyes. And it's just this weird feeling that you can tell they feel like there's just a look in his eye. And I don't know the, I don't know what his answer to that is. If it's like, no, I don't value my life because I'm going to die. And I'm like doing this because I'm going to die. Or yes, I, I value my life so much because I'm like, I've changed it. I'm doing new things with it now. But you can just tell the look in their eyes. They're like, we're, we're not messing with, we are messing with something strange right now. Something different. I think, yeah, to bad on that. I think it's not just the fact of him valuing his own life, but life at large for everyone. Um, we see, I don't, I can't remember if it's like the mayor's people or not, but like towards the end, like we see people start crying and like the men say that they vow to live a life of serving people. Um, and I think at essence, that's what is bringing Kanji life. Um, it's not the fact that he's literally building a playground. And I'm not saying that you think that, but just the idea that you're giving something to the majority of people, it's almost like a utilitarian approach. Um, and it kind of ties back again to the girl with the rabbits, um, giving the toy rabbits to the kids, um, giving purpose to one's existence is what is not only giving him life. It's kind of like a byproduct of that. Like he is getting life through that, but more so it's the act of servitude. That's what really stands out to me. And that's what teaching is too, but in any other profession, like you said, but. And that was another moment. I just really noticed they're all talking. They figure out, okay, yes, he, he knew that he was going to die. That's why this happened. And then there's a really important line that one of the guys says, he says, but any of us could die at any moment. And it's kind of like dead quiet and people, they just like look at each other and they're like, holy crap. Like what, what he was doing is how we should be living life too. And like you said, they vow to, to change, to do these things. And man, you're just feeling like really inspired. And then again i think another brilliant moment we kind of jump into the future again Mm -hmm. and we're we're like hit with reality of and maybe this is a question i have for you is this sustainable is this vow to be like yes i'm going to change the way i live my life i'm going to be different i'm gonna i'm gonna do it for other people i'm going to change the way that i've been doing things for so long and i'm gonna do it differently now because we jump into the future and we see that there's the stack of papers again they're sending people to other departments it, it didn't last for forever so yeah what do you think about that that's a tough one and i liked it because it's honest it's truth like we were talking about that's the truth that's what happens ah uh, that is tough um 
when you think about it, it's easier to say, yeah, I'm going to live a life of serving um, others and just being a giving person all the time. I think regardless of like religious beliefs and things like that, we all have different perspectives of life. I think naturally we as creatures are greedy and selfish people. And I think when that greed is left unchecked, that is when we cross the line into hubris, um, excessive pride, when power takes over, when, when things of personal gain are prioritized over helping others. Um, maybe that's why we don't get paid a lot because they're trying to keep us humble. <laughs> they're trying to say, Hey, don't, don't give these guys too much because then they're going to get on their high horse. Um, well, <laughs> I, I do always think that I'm always like, man, yeah. Teachers don't get paid a lot, but if we started paying them a lot, we'd probably get a lot of people who aren't there for the right reasons who aren't there for the kids. So tell them, tell them. So yeah. And then we get that scene at the end with Saito Again, he's, he's the man. He leaves the office and he goes and he stands on the bridge. It's the ending scene. And he's just, he's looking at the people on the playground. So maybe this just pops into my head. Maybe the message is like, I don't know. We, we do go back to those, those normal ways. We can have these spurts of like insane productiveness and productivity and complete joy. Maybe they don't last, but you can still you can still get, oh, you know what? No, I'm changing it as uh, this is insane. I'm forming it as I'm speaking it <laughs> because you know what? It did last. The park lasted for all those right. kids that are there. So, man, Kurosawa, you dirty, dirty dog. Again, <laughs> he's getting me because, yeah, man, it's deep. It's deep that, man, when you do those things for other people, they last for a lifetime and that park eventually will be gone but the memories that kids made there and the memories that they made while building it and the townspeople had I, I mean that's definitely a symbol for people doing things for other people no matter what yeah I mean it goes back to what I was saying about my 10th grade English teacher Mr. Miley he's not teaching anymore but um, I might not remember every lesson that he gave about the catcher and the rye, but his energy, his positivity, his terrible dance moves on the first day of class, like that sticks with you. And that carries into then your life to a point where you can take that and give to others. Um, ah, this is just such a deep seated film. Um, I want to talk about the end um, before the last shot with the park. Yeah. Saito. Um, maybe one of my favorite, and I said this about the wrestler too, but maybe one of my favorite endings or shots in a film of all time, um, because there are so many like speculations as to how he dies. People are saying like the mayor's friends or whatever are saying that he uh, killed himself. It was a suicide, um, but they're all saying he died on the swing and then we get the shot where we are like we're next to the it's like a jungle gym. There's all the bars and we just see Kanji just peacefully swinging back and forth with the snow. Um, 
I talked about all the heat, the intense heat at the beginning of the film where he's like yeah. sweating and it's yeah, it's dry. Like at the end when it's snowing, it's not a blizzard-esque snow either. It's very peaceful and light and fluffy. And like, it's just a sense of like, I already said it, peace, but we see the camera, it's at behind the jungle gym. So it's very much so like he's still caged in, but then we just see it pan out to where we're just facing Kanji and he's just peacefully singing life is brief again and the yeah. snow is just fluttering down on him and i wouldn't say like he's singing in a way that's necessarily happy but he's singing in a way that's like he's come to terms with things and he's proud of what he's done um in contrast to the first time we hear him singing where he's just a wreck he's sobbing he's clearly hurting at this point the transformation is complete he's at peace he's ready to move on and it's just so beautifully shot i i got chills and i'm i i'm, I'm man enough to admit on the pod i i might have i might have teared up a little bit um just that last shot of him on the swing is is beautiful beautiful uh nothing wrong with tears bro <laughs> <laughs> gotta talk about it we gotta talk about it yeah uh th- yeah that shot and this reminded me of something i want to talk about earlier but it, man it's perfect now i was looking on letterbox because i was just like kind of looking around what people have said about it um the synopsis on letterbox before it starts i don't know if it's the tagline or what it is but it just says a big story of a little man which will grip your soul Mm. and that Mm. that moment him him sitting there on the swing like his his soul is free it's joyful it's content it's good and like you said he he may not be happy he may not be he may be dying at that moment but his his soul is it's good to go he's he's done what he needs to do and yeah i think what you it, it definitely grips our soul if we're watching it yeah oh beautiful film is there anything that you want to share out there's one more thing i want to talk about um but i'll let you have the floor if you want to give your score and maybe share your last thoughts yeah i have a a couple last thoughts i wish the beginning of this movie i thought was slow like it was just and maybe if i was in a different mood i wouldn't have felt that but I just thought it was slow. It had, it str- I struggled caring as much as I did until the funeral scene. When it hit the funeral scene, I was, I was in, I was hooked, I was ready to go. But I thought the beginning was just a little slow. And I would have liked if the movie started at the funeral scene. Like we mm. just start, we're, we're at the funeral scene. We don't know who this guy is, but we know that he's dead. And we almost get his life story of he hadn't lived the life. We have this relationship with his son. We see all those moments, but they're told in in flashback. I I thought that that would have been really cool instead of like broken into halves because I love the back half so much. So that would be, I guess, my main, really my only main, main thing that I had a problem with. Um, Yeah, what? Because I just think that that would be cool. I think that, that telling the story like that would be awesome. Um, 
I like that too. I just wanted to add, I like that. I wonder how they would fit the narrator in that way too. Um, right. They start at the end, but that, that is a cool touch. Cause yeah, you're obviously, we know he's going to die the whole movie, but if you just show it right at the beginning, that would be cool. What else were you going to say? And even if it's like, yeah, just how they had the, if the opening scene was his picture, like that's mm-hmm. how we saw that he was dead. I thought that'd be cool, but I, I still liked it. Um, I like anything that just talks about life. Any book, TV show, movie that talks about life without talking about it, if that makes sense. I'm a big fan. So this reminded me of my favorite book of all time, which is East of Eden. Um, Because that that book, when I tell people that and they're like, what's it about? I just say it's about life because it's that's that's all that book's about to me is just life. Um, So I'd like to end a review, at least my review, with a quote from East of Eden. And I think it really connects to this movie as well. A time splashed with interest, wounded with tragedy, creviced with joy. That's the time that seems long in the memory. And this is the right, and this is the right when you think about it. Eventlessness has no post to drape duration on. From nothing to nothingness is no time at all. Mm. And that that quote has stuck with me for forever because I've been through that in my life where you're you're just doing nothing. Like he was for 30 years, you're doing nothing with your life and it seems like it seems like years go by with nothing happening like you're you're just not doing anything so i like the idea of tragedy and joy those things make life meaningful the bad and the good and i'm that's what this movie is all about to me 100 percent. i gave this movie 890 yeah the i think yeah, I gave it a 90. I liked it. I think uh, if it was a little quicker, I would have given it like a 95. Like that was a big thing for me that that brought it down. But just talking about it right here and now, I I love this movie. I gave it a 90, but I love it. I love it, love it, love it. All right, your thoughts. I'm, I'm really interested in what's about to come here. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you my score at the end, but I'll tell you, this is the second week where I have a, a higher score than you. Um, I think I still am like very much in belief that you like Blade more than I do, even <laughs> though I scored it higher. Um, I don't think you like Akiru as much as me, um, which obviously you love it. Um, and that's great. I think it's obviously a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, I love, love, love love this movie um because it strikes obviously it's going to strike a personal chord with anybody who watches it um for me it struck two real chords um i mentioned my father when i was younger um but i'm gonna ask you something right now x-ray and this your answer to this there are a few ways you can answer this um your answer to this might determine um the future of not only our friendship oh no um but the future of this pod so are you ready for this question no i'm not but let's do it let's roll um are you aware of who jay dilla is i i'm offended i am offended that you think i don't know who jay dilla is donuts oh (laughs) 
have I talked to you about him before? Has it? Have we? You know, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think we have talked about Jay Dilla before. But any time I find a kid who's into music, into old school rap, it's like, hey, you know Jay Dilla, because he'll change your life. So yes, I do, and I'm. I can't wait to see you connect. You talked. We've talked DMX. We've talked Public Enemy. <laughs> we talked a tribe called Quest. I'm ready for Jay Dilla. It is time. Okay. Um, first of all, the pod is, will continue for as long as we <laughs> want it to continue. Friendship will stay intact. Um, oh, okay. So Jay Dilla, um, TTF Nation, those who don't know, especially those who claim they like hip hop and you don't know Jay Dilla, you don't like hip hop. Get learned. Get learned. You research Jay Dilla. It's, that's a J. D-I-L-L-A. That's all you need. Um, and then go down the rabbit hole because that's what I did when I was in ninth grade, um, starting really in eighth grade. And I still go down rabbit holes with him. Um, Jay Dilla, he hip hop producer. Um, he's often quoted as your favorite producer's favorite producer. Um, you'll hear interviews of Kanye West just praising Jay Dilla, which you don't hear Kanye West praising much of anybody. Um, you'll hear anybody in the realm of music. It supersedes hip hop alone. Everybody in music that truly appreciates music needs to listen and know Jay Dilla's story. And I'm about to connect it to Kanji. Um, Jay Dilla, he died from lupus when he was 32 years old. Um, same year, my father passed away, which I think also was an interesting connection. Um, let me backtrack. Jay Dilla, raised in Detroit, Michigan, um, really soulful hip hop records. Um, he rapped and he made beats and he produced songs. He was part of a Detroit rap group called Slum Village. Um, they have, they created one of my favorite songs of all time. And that song is called Fall in Love. Um, one of the lyrics in that song is don't sell yourself to fall in love. I have that on my board in my classroom. Um, regardless, I digress. Um, the thing about Jay Dilla's music is that he can make a beat and tell a story and make you laugh. He can make you tear up. He can get chills, like on your facial hair, you will get chills um, when you listen to a Jay Dilla beat. Um, those who are listening now, you Google Alien Family, Jay Dilla beat, um, as well as Flowers, as well as the Fall in Love beat. Um, those are my probably my top three just off the top of my head and won't do, of course. That's probably his most well-known. Um, nonetheless, this man was so dedicated to providing rich, authentic music in an era of hip-hop where things were changing to rap about money, cars, my 20-foes, shout out Mike Jones. Um, and there's still a place in hip-hop for that type of music. Mike Jones! <laughs> Um, but nonetheless, he stayed true to his values. He stayed true to the soul of hip hop's origin and kept it real and again, soulful and just truly peaceful. Every time like he was interviewed, which was rare, 
he just talked about just the love he had for music and just the love that he had for it and what it basically would give off to the world. And so nonetheless, short story, uh, long story short, he was in the terminal stages of his lupus and he was obviously seeing his death become inevitable. Um, there was a period of his life where he had to sit in a wheelchair and like he could only navigate in the wheelchair. Um, there's a YouTube video um, where Jay Dilla goes out on stage with Slum Village and he's in the wheelchair and he's just sitting there spitting bars and like it's just beautiful. It makes me want to cry thinking about it because he's just so dedicated and passionate towards one thing in his life because he knows like his talent with that one thing is going to give so much to so many people. It's going to touch me. It's going to touch some random kid in Chicago. It's going to touch my kids because they're going to know who Jay Dilla is. Um, and with that being said, he's related to Kanji because we talk about serving and the act of servitude. Kanji gave the world the playground for the children and Jay Dilla gave us the eternal life of his music. Um, I feel like every time I'm out of tune with self and just like the real quote unquote, I hate that the real, um, but I'll just throw on some Jay Dilla instrumentals and I'll just, I'll just sit with it. Um, you Google or YouTube like Jay Dilla orchestra. Um, there are so many like orchestra renditions of his songs. Um, just a man who gave his life for increasing the value in the life of others. Um, that's where I see the Jay Dilla connection. Um, long rant ended. Yes, you got to hand. I'll let you. I, I, mu I must interrupt you because if interrupt. you don't give a score that I think, if you'll give a score that I think you're about to give, if it's not the score I think you're going to give, I'm going to have an issue. Okay. Are you ready for the score? With that said, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I love the monologue you just gave. I love that I just got to sit here and watch it happen. Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, if you're hoping for 100, um, like students' essays, I never give 100s on essays um, because there's always room for improvement. I never say a, a, an, an essay is a final copy. I always call it the polished draft. Um, but man, oh man, if this is not dang near a final copy, um, I don't know what is. This is a 97 for me. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take that with the reasoning behind it. I, I can live with that. I can live with that. I think my only qualms really are the integration of the young girl. I thought that was a little quirky and abrupt. Um, some parts did drag out. Um, but a 97, this is a movie I'm going to watch every single year for the rest of my life, at least once. Um, I think it's like, this is what true cinema is supposed to do. I think, um, this is, this is more than just a movie. This is, this is a lesson that we all need to need to hear. I think everybody in the world needs to watch this movie. I, this is a movie I'm going to show my kids. Like I'm going to show them Jay Dilla. I'm going to show them Akiru. Um, 
one of my favorites. I highlighted it in my list as in the catalog for my favorite films. I'm ranting. I could continue to rant. I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, a, a few things. Number one, I think every time I watch this movie for the rest of my life, the score will keep going up every time, every time. And if I watch this 10 more times, maybe not a hundred, but we'll see. The second thing I always, I always uh, kind of make fun of people and even myself who call films, films mm-hmm. like, I, I always, especially teaching kids, I'm like, it's a movie. Like we can call it movies, um, films or films. And then there's like people who think they're cool and call it cinema. <laughs> this movie is cinema, man. Yes, this, yes. this is cinema. This is art. This, and the other thing I, we need to mention, Akira Kurosawa is one of the greatest just artists ever ever to do it um i think this is i think this is the fourth movie i've seen of no fifth it's the fifth every single one of them is i'm pretty sure in the 90s like they're up there uh they are awesome you connect with them no matter what um the fact that you brought in jay dillon man i'm still in shock i'm in (laughs) shock i am bewildered i'm impressed you you have outdone yourself mr main thank you thank you thank you I'll try to bring in a hip hop connection every episode. Yeah, and if uh, the audience have none out there, you better get on your hip hop game, or you better start it right now. Like, go on this journey with us, because I can tell you, like you said, you started listening to Jay Dilla. You're fresh from your high school. I remember talking to you in college and being like, "Have you heard of this guy named MF Doom?" And you were like, "Dude, how have you not heard of MF Doom?" <laughs> like, I I definitely started that late and went through like phases all throughout life. And then, yeah, once I met you and I started listening to it more, I was like, yo, I've been missing out. So yeah, Yeah. get it going. We don't, we don't, we're not gatekeepers over here. We're going to spread the wealth. Gates are open. Gatekeepers. Yeah. We, oh, we have the keys to the gates of good hip hop music and the gates are always open. So you start with Jay Dilla. Um, get a foundation of soul with your hip hop, and then I'll lead you to the next pillar um, in a few episodes, maybe. Uh, wow. What a pick. What a movie. Wow. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm sweating in here, man. That <laughs> just towards the end, I just, I'm, I'm getting hot. Um, That's how I feel. Got to take the hat off. Need yeah. to take off the sweatshirt. Open a window. This is, this is tough. Yeah. And so, and we've been going quite a bit. Um, the last two episodes have been a little bit lengthier. I want to, um, I don't want to rush the ending per se, but I would like to sort of get into the closure here. Um, you're going to tell us what we're going to watch next week uh, here in a second. But before that, tell us a little bit about just quickly how things are going in film this week. You know what? I'm going to not answer that question. Okay. Because I think I have something more important to say. I'm curious. I... I give, I think I've maybe done it every year that I've taught, almost every year. I give this kind of like speech every year. And usually we end things in my class at the end of the year with a speech. Like it's just a great way to end mm-hmm. the year. Like say, say something that you want to say as a freshman in high school, moving on uh, with your life. 
And I give this speech every year and every year, this is kind of what I was talking about with the butterflies every year. It just, man, I get a little anxious about it. Cause as we said, when we started this episode, I joke around constantly, very rarely am I, I like super serious when I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's good because when I give this speech, it I think it hits home more. But every time I do it, I'm like, man, our kids just going to think that what I'm doing is corny and dumb and stupid. This conversation that we had, this movie that we watched, I'm coming back to school on Monday, maybe Tuesday. It's happening. It's time. I'm ready for it. Uh, it's just it just needs to happen. I've been I've been inspired. I'm ready to go inspired to give the speech that I always give. Like usually I wait till the end of the year. No, it's happening. It's happening now. Oh, you're starting it early. And the film was the catalyst to that. Yeah. We're not starting the assignment yet, but it don't matter. This can be done whenever it's happening. Now the film, like you said, was the catalyst. I love that. I love that. I might, um, give a little promo to all my classes to to uh watch this maybe i tell them to listen to the podcast too i will we'll see where my comfort level is you know this is something we've been talking texting about <laughs> is we gotta uh, you know i think every week i've told one more person hey like it and it comes up naturally i don't want to be that guy that's like hey i got a podcast you should you can't. check it out you can't. You can't. um yeah so yeah, the students, man, it's a tough one, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, I don't know. In one breath, I'm like, some would really like it. And then in one breath, I'm like, some will think I'm so stupid. And some probably already do think I'm stupid. So why do I care? <laughs> exactly. And if we, if we learn from this movie, like you said in the beginning, I can't remember the quote exactly, but something about like you stick around for a while when like you're easy. When you don't do things that are out of the ordinary, maybe this, I mean, this is out of the ordinary for a lot of our students and definitely teachers that we teach with, maybe it needs to happen. Maybe it needs to influence the people, influence the the youth. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. Um, Yeah. In film studies this week, transition, I'm not even going to talk about what I'm doing. We're watching uh, Vertigo. It's going really interestingly. We started the first 20 minutes. Um, So many twists and turns to come. I'll see how the kids like it. I'll give you an update later. Um, I'm sweaty. I'm hot. Uh, (laughs) What are we watching next week? I'm glad you said sweaty and hot because I have a movie for you. Uh-oh. I think I know what it is, but let, let, let me hear it. You do know what it is. And, and man, after after we just talked how we talked right now, man, do I feel like quite a chump for picking the movie that I'm about to pick. <laughs> but, you know, my future self, my past self, my current self would just be disappointed. Mm. If my high school self said that, you're going to have a podcast that nobody listens to, but you're good. You're going to talk about movies on it and a new Batman movie comes out. And that is not talked about on the podcast. I would have to, uh, to crawl in a hole. So the movie for next week is the Batman and I'm excited. I, I will probably watch it again. This will be the third time I've watched it. Um, I, 
I, I am excited. We will definitely not get the depth of conversation of Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru, but it needs to be talked about nonetheless. I agree. And, you know, the Batman is... It's on HBO Max. It will be. Um, yes, correct. By the time this is posted. Um, it might be actually one that our 20 followers actually want to watch and listen to. Um, I'm going to be on the Twitter machine really trying to promote Akiru this week. Um, but nonetheless, I think the Batman is special for Teachers Talk Film because you and I saw it together. And yes, that's when we kind of created the idea of Teachers Talk Film, the podcast. Do you remember just kind of how that went down? I say let's. There's a little nugget. Let's save that for next time. I'm, okay. I was going to say, we so have to talk about it more next time. Our loyal listeners, two or three, that are listening right now. <laughs> you Shout, guys out Luke. Shout out Luke. <laughs> no, no, no. Not even close. Um, our loyal listeners. You get you get the nugget and you know what's coming. And I'll even give another nugget. There's a Batman mask behind me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That'll be on my face for a decent <laughs> amount of this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I try to find one or something. Stay tuned. So uh, there's your nuggets. There's what's going on. The Batman, again, on HBO Max is probably still in theaters. You can still go see it. And I'd recommend it because, man, it's awesome in a theater that's the movie see it if you haven't watch it again if you have love it my um my stepbrother rabbi v um he listens to the pod frequently he texts me actually about it he's like i'm about he texted me last week i'm about to hear um who your favorite wrestler was and <laughs> he was like but i'm not gonna watch the wrestler come on man um <laughs> so robert shout out you um if you're listening but i think the batman will be more up your alley so yeah, you'll hear that conversation. Uh, yeah, and I, I hope that, like, yeah, even if you don't like movies, you get to hear us be kind of fools in the beginning and the end and just talk about life, which is, uh, that's my thing. I love hearing people just talk about who they are and what they're doing and, yeah, just being idiots. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'll be surprised if anybody's still listening to this one, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is just for you and me at this point. And once we're once we're famous, they're gonna listen to this episode and go, "Oh my goodness, how? Who, why did they think somebody would stay tuned for this long?" Yeah, but whatever, man. Whatever. The loyal TTF Nation is still with us. Um, but to those loyal TTF Nation members, we are going to uh, head out, um, Mr. Ray. You have anything to say before we peace out? Jay Dilla, homework. The Batman, homework. Watch the Batman. Listen to Jay Dilla. Do your homework. And peace out. Peace out. Peace out.